0: Hello and welcome to Plot Trist. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing The Hidden Moon by Jeannie Lynn. This was published in 2020 and is the third in the Ping Kung Lee Mysteries, also known as the Lotus Palace Mysteries.
1: And we have reviewed the first two books in this series already. Um, and we are doing so pretty rapidly in anticipation of the fourth book in the series, which is about to come out. Coming out next week, very exciting.
0: Um, we're going to read this book. Note that there is a little novella that comes in between the Jade Temptress and the Hidden Moon. Uh, it's called The Liar's Dice. It is not required to read this book, but it adds a lot.
1: It is required to read this book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it definitely adds a whole lot.
1: I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of felt like The Liar's Dice was a little boring. Yeah. And it also, she goes with the first person present tense narration, which is a huge departure from the series. And I was reading it the whole time being like, I don't know if I like this novella. Am I going to like this book? Loved this book. And so glad I had the context of the novella, even if the novella in and of itself wasn't my favorite. Yeah.
0: Well, what's this book about? Let's get to the book jacket lane. Impetuous and well-educated, young Lady Bai has always been the forgotten daughter between two favored sons. However, when Weiwei's older brother is tasked with investigating a high-profile assassination, he turns to his clever
1: younger sister for assistance. Gao is a streetwise scoundrel with a checkered past and a shady reputation. He knows better than to set his sights on the high-born Lady Bai, but when she asks for his help, he can't refuse.
0: As the unlikely pair chase down a conspiracy that reaches from the gutters of the capital to the imperial palace, Wei Wei is intent on seeing justice done, while Gao is determined to solve the mystery just for her.
1: Even if the attraction between them can never be more than a moment's longing. (sighs) This is a nothing burger of a jacket.
0: It is. I mean, you'd get that there's a romance. You get that he's a sweet, sweet, streetwise scoundrel and that she's a highborn lady.
1: And that there's a mystery.
0: Which is what you need. But I don't I agree with you that I don't think it's like an amazing book jacket. I think you pick this book up because you like Jeannie Lynn and you like the Lotus Palace mysteries. You don't pick it up because you just read that book jacket.
1: Completely agree.
0: Well, as usual, we generated our own random number and then used it to write our own random number summaries. And for this episode, the number was eight. So let's see if we did a better job at conveying why you should read this book. Blame.
1: Pick the guy who doesn't decide for you.
0: This is always extremely good advice in a dating situation.
1: Yeah, but in this book, the men who decide for her are potential romantic partners her father her brother random dudes at parties everyone and except for Gao, who's like all right you're here i guess my only choice do i follow her or not yeah oh my god he's such a good hero i i okay
0: i know that you had reservations about Gao as a hero i did he's amazing
1: yeah the gal of this book is amazing mm-hmm. I struggled to reconcile the gal of this book with the past you are told about yeah but I don't care I don't care I love gal like, okay. you he is supposed to be a straight up killer you've never seen him commit murder on the page
0: he, he's a straight up killer but he also I mean he doesn't want to kill people <laughs>
1: Okay. I don't believe the character we saw on the page has ever killed anyone. They can tell me that as much as they want to.
0: Okay. Maybe, he, that maybe it's all a facade. Maybe he really hasn't killed anyone and it's just like a... The
1: um, POV chapters from his perspective reflecting on his own past would disprove that theory, but I like the way you think. Yeah. Well, here's mine. Eight word summary.
0: Bad boys are great flings and marriage material
1: just like do everything at once everything like you know that she could do both trends he could do both he can do both oh my god i love this book i i really love this book it's extremely good i have a lot of criticisms of it so obviously we're going to talk about it but i want to be extremely clear that none of those criticisms impact the fact that i love the shit out of this book
0: oh my god it's so good it's so freaking good i love this book Tropes. Class difference. Number
1: one. Number one of this whole series, really.
0: Every single, every single book in the series, there's a class difference. And it's not the class difference that you know about because this whole book is set, as we have mentioned before, in Tang Dynasty, China.
1: So she is the um, only daughter of an aristocratic family. Yeah. And he is a knight. Yep. That's it. Enforcer sometimes does odd jobs for her brother when he needs information on the underground.
0: Yeah, I mean, his name is Gao. It is only Gao. We don't know if it's his last name or his first name. This is a guy in Imperial China who doesn't have a family name, basically.
1: Yeah, you've heard about like chapter two of this book, so no spoilers. The Gao is a family name, but that's he's known by a mononym. Right. So,
0: any other tropes?
1: yeah um she cross dresses a lot which is one of my favorite tropes so the way she gets around when she has to this is one of the things that i could criticize but instead i'm just gonna love she sneaks out a lot and just how controversial it is for her to be out independently is still sort of not clear to me and sometimes when she goes out most often during the day but even to places and with people she's not supposed to she just goes as herself
0: well, she goes as her
1: younger brother, too. No, no, no. But uh, during the day, she usually is herself. And then at night, when she goes out, uh, sometimes she dresses as a man. And when she does, she claims to be her younger brother.
0: Yes. And she also she's also supposed to be super smart. But <laughs> it takes her a while to figure out that by using her younger brother's name, her older brother can figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I mean... I, I think it's actually a really great example of being shown and not told that someone is book smart, but not street smart, actually. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm, I think it's a really good example, in fact.
1: It's funny because she's really useful to her brother in his investigations when it comes to, like, pouring over paperwork. But you're, it's very clear she's an incredibly useless spy or infiltrator.
0: Right. She's so bad at it.
1: I really enjoyed it yeah
0: so this is a blue stocking woman bad boy hero romance but she's not a blue stocking because that word didn't exist he's a street criminal I don't know I know this was covered in a class difference but I really feel like it falls into that blue stocking trope blue stocking
1: rake almost almost except he has no like sexual history to speak of that we're ever told about and Blue stocking has a really negative connotation, right? Not to us as readers, we love blue stockings, but at the time, the idea as of an educated woman or a woman interested in education was actually horrifying, right? Whereas, you the impression I get from Jeannie Lynn is that educating a woman was relatively common or at least not controversial, it was a woman then trying to use that intelligence for things other than supporting the male members of a family. That was controversial. Right.
0: But, but basically, it's a blue-stocking rake, but make it Tang Dynasty China?
1: And no rake.
0: And no rake. <laughs> but I still feel like it fits the trope somehow.
1: Yeah, no, I get it. You, you just have literally no idea about his sexual history. No, which... Is fine with me. No, totally, but it's kind of hard to make a rake argument when you literally have no idea.
0: I know, I know. So, I mean, you could say the thing is with the rake, it's also just being a bad boy, you know?
1: Yeah. Okay, so if we're using the like blue stocking meant something different in Tang Dynasty China, Tang Dynasty China, then rake. Like
0: hell versus like just a rake. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yes. Okay, I'm on board. Okay, what else do we have here?
1: She is betrothed against her will.
0: Yeah. Oh my god, such a trope, right?
1: Yeah, and it's interesting who is complicit.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. Oh,
1: God, yes. I will say no more, but it's amazing. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Illiteracy is a trope. I stand
0: by it. And it's illiteracy on one part of the couple. Uh, on one member of the couple, not the other. Because in this case, Wei, Wei is going to teach Gal how to read.
1: And even where she's not teaching him to read, she's acting as a scribe. Yep. So her literacy benefits him. Yeah.
0: They're going to hook up, but. Just one. It's just one hookup and it is a goodbye. It's not even a secret goodbye. So that whole conversation
1: is had and I was dying the whole time. Oh my
0: god, Lane. I told you. I was talking to Lane before we started recording the episode. I told her that this book made me cry. That is the part that made me cry. It was amazing. It's amazing.
1: It's a really excellent scene.
0: Oh, my God. It's, this is coming from two women who don't usually read romance for the angst. Never. And yet, and yet, this scene worked for us both.
1: When, I think one of the benefits of class difference as a trope is oftentimes the conflict is real. hmm Yes. So, you've got the benefit of a real conflict hypothetically, there's real danger, but I didn't understand that, I'm going to be honest with you. (laughs) I guess there were assassins on the loose. It was all very confusing. Um, But also, you understood why they were and weren't communicating about certain things. Right. Like A lot of times I get really angry about the things left outside, and you're like, just tell him. But in this case, you have the very real class differences, the very real dangers, her pending engagement And the fact that she learns exactly what his history with her brother has been. And it's not a spoiler for the reader because you were told in the first book that when Bai Wong was stabbed and left for dead, or at least that's what his family perceived, Gal was the guy who stabbed him. Yep. And it is more complicated than that, as readers of the first two books know. But...
0: Wayway is dealing with all of that at the same time. Yeah. Oh. oh so good. Um, <laughs> I was really into this. I was really into this one. The ultimate villain, this is a spoiler. Okay, guys. It is a spoiler and a trope at the same time. Yeah. So, so jump forward a couple of minutes. The ultimate villain
1: is the spy master? Because you've got two options. Either the spy master is like a father figure who doesn't turn on you, or is a fire father figure who does.
0: Who does turn on you? Yeah, that's it. So, the, okay, non-spoiler. His boss is his spy
1: master. Boss is a father figure to him. To buy Huang. To buy Huang, right? All right, and what well, is this trope? What is this trope? Lane, they make out when she's crying because he can't stand to see her cry. Yeah, I just this is not the first time in this series that a makeout has been described as salty. <laughs> yes, so I just really feel the need to draw attention to it.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay, so basically, I think we have three main things to discuss about this book. So these books are romance novels and the strength of this book is it's romance because it is incredible. We've talked about how good Jeannie Lynn is at writing characters and these, she makes these two characters where if you had, I mean, I told Lane who the characters were and she was like, uh, I don't think I'm into that, but you read this book and they just make sense together.
1: Yep. That's and right. I stand by some of that is that both of them seemed a little different in this book than they did earlier in the series. In, and potentially the characters in this book felt inconsistent with the characters we were presented with earlier in the series. And I cannot stress enough how much I don't care. Yeah.
0: The, I mean, the other thing is, too, this romance was different from the other two romances in the series. And Look, we talk about romance novels twice a week, every single week. We read a lot of romance novels. And it's okay for an author to repeat the same character tropes and the same character types. Like, it's okay to do that. I, there are certain authors that I go to when I know what I want to read and I'll go to them and I'll read it. Jeannie Lynn does not do that, though. Uh,
1: her characters are not consistent. In a good way, like her characters are all very distinctive. But she does, as we've said, resort to class difference. Yes, pretty yes. heavily. I'm and
0: I'm I'm just talking about the character, the sure, character development, sure, sure, sure. and the different characters because each couple, even if they're going, because each of the couples in this series has um, had ca- class conflict as the major conflict. Mm-hmm. They. Deal with it in different ways. They have different relationships with their class and how they're going to deal with it. And each character has their own viewpoint, which is very distinct. And I really
1: appreciate that. Absolutely. So, why did this romance work so well? One, I think the benefit of reading the novella is the book gets to start in a really charged place. Mm-hmm. so I think knowing that they didn't have to get through that hundred pages of dancing around each other made the pacing of this romance work a lot better than it would have mm-hmm. had they actually done the getting to know you in this book as well mm-hmm. they're both Not getting what they want out of life and won't in their place in society, and both don't know how to fix that. Yes. But they don't put that pressure on each other.
0: Oh, yes. That's so true. That's so true. Neither of them is happy with where they are. Neither know how to fix that, but they recognize that in the other. And they it's it's a part of what their relationship is based on even if they're not in the same place and they're not fighting against the same things you're so right
1: well and she's super sheltered and he calls her on her shit mhm and he's big and scary and he can tell she isn't actually scared of him like they both in the very tropey romance novel way see past the others facade or and I'm not afraid of, like, my favorite, one of my favorite moments in this book, not my favorite, but one of my favorite, is when she says, do you think I spoiled? And he just says, yes. <laughs> right? Like, what are you supposed to do about that? Yes? Yeah.
0: Ah, oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, and that's, that is something that carries over from, from all of the books, is that I really do feel like these couples know each other and see each other for their essential selves.
1: Yes, and I really like that. Agree. And this one, I do think it's worth mentioning that while Gal has a tragic backstory that we will cover in content warnings, no one in this book is um, a sex trafficking victim.
0: No, not so.
1: It does, I think, change the stakes about being in people's POV.
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. And I think it's interesting too, because as you mentioned, his sexual history is not really delved into. Yeah, but you have no idea. You, I mean, you're assuming that he's not a virgin because.
1: It's not mentioned. When they do, that's literally why. It's not
0: mentioned. But when they do hook up, the only reason I assumed he wasn't a virgin is because when they hooked up, he like knew how to make her happy. <laughs> that, yeah. That's it. But. Oh. I just I just really loved the, these two characters. Um, so as Lane mentioned, in Tropes, she's betrothed against her will. It's to Magistrate Lee, who was a character in... I think he was actually in the first book as well. So he's been a character in all of these books. And his character is slowly coming into focus as well. Um, you know, in the first book, I think he was very much a background guy second book he's a really good friend with Wu the hero and in this book he's the one that Weiwei gets engaged to yep and he doesn't really want to be engaged either it's not like he's in love with Weiwei but he's just letting he's just letting his mother basically guide his future and i think it's very interesting because Weiwei is supposed to be doing the same thing. So both of them are supposed to be just sort of going with the flow and letting their parents arrange everything and they'll figure it out. Everything will be great. And Weiwei is the one who steps up to the plate and is like, mm, no, this isn't
1: going to work for me. And works with him to make sure they're both getting what they want he's a really interesting character because he also takes the lead in the investigation in this one from a mystery standpoint, because obviously Wu Kai Feng was the constable in the first two books. And so to the degree that you see the arm of the law interacting with the main characters, which is obviously extremely heavy in the second book due to him being the protagonist, um, it's, it's primarily through Wu Kai Feng. In this book, there's a new constable who is, a red shirt, and the, so, so you primarily see the investigation being directed by Magistrate Lee himself. Yes. And so you're getting this, like, increased view into his professional competence, especially knowing that Wu Kai Feng has a high opinion of him. Combined with him being a personal washcloth of a human being.
0: Yeah, he's the guy who does everything by the book. And that happened in the second book as well, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he was going to say, basically, Wu Kai Feng was being tortured. Yes. Spoilers Spoilers for all the previous books. Wu Kai Feng was being tortured, and Magistrate Li knew that he shouldn't be tortured. But instead of bursting into the room and, you know, telling people to stop, he wrote a lot of opinions and sent them to his superiors. And eventually, they probably would have found that he that Wu Kai Feng was being tortured illegally, but it would have taken a while, right? Right. So that's, that's basically Lee. Lee is like, I'm going to do everything by the book. I'm going to make sure that every, you know, all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted. On the one hand, he's very honorable and he wants to make sure that everything is being done correctly. On the other hand, since he doesn't cut corners, sometimes things don't get done.
1: But more than that, he seems like a doormat.
0: Yeah. He's definitely a doormat when it comes
1: to his personal life. Yeah, and actually my biggest surprise, and I'm sure we'll learn this because he's the protagonist of the fourth book, is how he managed to stay unmarried this long. Mm -hmm. Given that he seems to not stand up for himself personally ever. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, we'll see. Um, yeah, he was profoundly unsexy. hmm I mean, I don't disagree with you. In this book, I have not read the fourth yet. Meg has, which is why she's being a little silent, to avoid spoilers. But in this book, I don't know how I'm going to buy him as a romantic hero.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I will say that after book two when I found out that Gao was going to be the hero of book three and not Magistrate Lee, I was surprised. I was thinking it might be like an arranged marriage kind of trope. Yeah. But, um, it's not. And I love this book so much that I, that's fine with me.
1: Yeah. I mean, Gao wasn't an appealing romantic hero to me in the first two books, largely because like of just how bad his reputation and actions were. Hmm. Again, that's really not present here, so you kind of just get to pretend you don't know that stuff and watch him be a great romance hero. So maybe they'll do the same with Magistrate Lee and I just won't recognize him, which also I will be fine with. I
0: I am really looking forward to discussing the book with you. Okay. We'll just say that.
1: So, bottom line though, because we've kind of gotten off topic, the romance in this book is fan-fucking-tastic.
0: It's amazing. It's, it's touching, it's charming, it's funny, it's sexy. It's like everything that you want out of a
1: romance, you get. And the happy ending feels earned by both of them. Huh? Yeah, it does. Oh,
0: oh, I love the ending. I really liked the ending because I did not know how they were going to. This is like the first book and then I was like, I don't know what the happy ending is. And I don't know how they're going to get to it. Yep. And I liked how they got to it. Um,
1: can we have a little spoiler section? Oh, yes, we can. Okay, so just give her like, two minutes. This is a pretty minor spoiler, but I just have to talk about it. So she jokes about how she's going to avoid marriage. Her plan was always, like, potentially to go to a nunnery and become huh? a nun. And specifically become the kind of nun where she could keep her hair. And the fact that the end result is she's in a nunnery, I was cracking up.
0: Really? I thought it was so well done. So well done. And when he comes to get her, oh, my God. But, yeah, no, it
1: was perfection.
0: Perfection. Perfection. Okay. Now we're going to talk about the mystery. I don't think we're going to spoil anything, but we are. This is probably the part where we're going to have the most criticism of the book. It
1: was. I, I actually don't have anything good to say about the mystery.
0: I don't mind the mystery, but I think it's because I... It, I, I'm actually not sure why. I'm just not, like, a mystery person, I think. And so not getting it or being confused about it is how I feel about any
1: mystery. So. I am a mystery person. And Megan and I have said several times on this podcast, we don't expect to be able to solve it. Like, that's not the goal. But I want to, like, understand how the pieces click together at the end. Like, I want the reveal to be an aha moment. It's not. I'm not even sure what you'd call the reveal. Yeah.
0: It's, I mean, this is a mystery. So this, these books have been more mystery-esque. And I say I'm not a mystery person. I like reading mysteries. I actually like reading mysteries. As long as they meet my other criteria for books that I like, which are mainly character development, which is missing in a lot of mysteries.
1: So, So here's the problem. So the first book, I actually thought the mystery was decent. Mm -hmm. And again, we talked a lot about this in the second book review because of my argument was basically that the mystery was more intertwined with the actual lives of the characters. Right. Uh, And the perpetrators and the crime itself was more intertwined with the lives of the characters. So I felt like I understood what was happening and how it related to the plot. The second book, less so, like it felt like bureaucratic manipulation that we just had no insight to. So I wasn't that interested, but I understood what was happening. Right. I just didn't understand why I was supposed to care. This one takes it to the full extreme of, like, I didn't understand what was happening.
0: Well, there's a lot of stuff, too, that's very culturally bound that you don't know what the heck it is. There's a chop that goes missing. And I'm like, okay, I have to look up what a chop is.
1: Well, but there's also, like, a lot of people with similar titles. Right. And so keeping track of who's dead, who's alive, and what their roles are. Like, I think the spoiler-free version is the big twist is, oh, it's the guy who'd be responsible for this thing that had the motive. Yeah. And you're like, okay, but culturally, I have no idea who's responsible for this thing. Right. So this aha moment means nothing to me.
0: Yeah. So I think I think that's part of the issue, too. if you're alone for the ride, I think you'll probably be fine. If you really want to understand what's going on, it might be a little tougher.
1: There's so many dead people there are a lot of good people and this is gonna be spoiler free because i finished the book and i can't i don't know what happened but so basically there's original crimes and then there's crimes trying to cover up those crimes and then there's unrelated crimes and i don't understand what tied them all together yeah or why certain people were targeted right or why the assassinations that didn't happen didn't happen like and it's It's very layered. Like, there's a lot of planned assassinations beyond the executed assassinations and the cover ups. It does not make sense. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, I'm not saying it doesn't, like, I'm sure Jeannie Lynn could explain it in a way that made sense. Right. But, to someone just reading this book for the first time, this was not an accessible mystery at all. I actually really disliked it. Again, I didn't care.
0: (laughs) Because, the romance was so good.
1: The romance was fantastic. I just, like, let the mystery watch over me. But if you're reading these for the mysteries, I don't know what happened here. Yeah.
0: The other thing I wanted to talk about is just how I really do feel like with each book, the world expands. hmm And you understand more and more of where they're living and what they're doing and what the town looks like and just... I just think this is a series that really benefits from reading one book after the other. And I just really, it's one of the strengths of the series, I think.
1: Yeah. I, sort of the, the unfolding petals of the explanation of words and additional insight to the mansion quarter and additional insight to yeah the non-brothel parts of the Pekong, Pekong Lee. Like all of that was pitch perfect. And I
0: think it's something that she just does really well. She, I feel like Jeannie Lynn has a touch for knowing how much is too much when it comes to the setting and the world building. Definitely. So I just wanted to mention that.
1: Content warnings. Well, um, yeah, I had a really tough life. gao yeah, had a really tough life. He had a really tough life. Yeah. He was separated. His father was disgraced and died. He was separated from his mother because she thought that was his best chance at survival. Or potentially her best chance at survival. It was left ambiguous in a really painful way. Yeah. Um, and so he pretty much immediately became a street kid with a criminal record. Yep. And has spent his entire life subsequently surviving. And you are told, but not really shown, that he does some really horrible things in the name of getting his next meal. Right, so I
0: mean, the first book, he's introduced as this guy. He's an enforcer for some of the, the for some of the mafia, you know, the mafioso guys in the town, and he. So he goes around beating people up. Um, he does sell information to Bai Huang, mm-hmm. but he was the person who stabbed Bai Huang. He also saved his life. He stabbed him and then got him to help right but he still stabbed him <laughs> right like <laughs> he's a very you know very morally ambiguous guy like on the one hand you're like oh he saved Bai Huang. oh but Bai Huang was only in danger because he stabbed him
1: he's he was very morally ambiguous in the first two books he is so morally upright in this book it's laughable <laughs>
0: Well, it's more he has his own code of honor, right? Sure.
1: Anyway, he's got a very
0: tough backstory, and he's not a nice guy.
1: He's a total cinnamon roll in this whole book.
0: Well, it's just because he can't resist Weiwei. Wei. He has to live up. He has to live up to
1: Weiwei's view of him. Okay. Again, I, it's fi- it's fine. I moved on because this is just such a freaking good book. But at no point did I ever find him anything less than adorable and morally righteous.
0: I mean, that's that's the problem with writing a bad boy. That is the problem with having a bad boy hero. Is if you want people to like him, probably not going to be all that bad.
1: Yeah, he's not a bad boy at all. Uh,
0: okay. Any other content warnings? Uh,
1: this one. So, so, obviously, the first two books dealt with life in the brothels and, you know, enslaved women. This book draws a lot more attention to just the lives of women in society and right. the ways in which women are second-class citizens.
0: Yeah. So, way Wei, I guess it deserves a content warning. It's not even a content warning. It's just more of a... This is something that you're going to have to read about if you read this book, right? Which is right. that even women with privilege were still not full citizens, right? Right. So, you know, Weiwei Wei is supposed to to stay in the family compound. She's not even supposed to leave it. She does once in a while. She does a lot, actually, because <laughs> she's very rebellious. But understanding just what she's rebelling against, I think, is one of one of the things Jeannie Lin did really well, right? Because you Definitely. understand two things. You understand, first, why Yue Ying would choose to be in that situation. And at the same time, you understand why Wei Wei would choose not to be in that situation. I, I just, just... Just so just really well
1: done, basically. Yeah, and I want to also add to content warnings just because we brought it up before. I think, but again, this goes back to the mystery not making a ton of sense, that we witnessed some degree of like police corruption. Yeah. And the framing of innocent people. Yes. Again, I don't quite know why.
0: But well, I'm you there. don't have to know why, but it did happen,
1: yeah. Yeah, I should know why because I've done the book.
0: <laughs> you right. Okay. Talk about sexiness.
1: This was the least explicit of the three?
0: It was the least explicit of the three, and yet like the most touching
1: in my in opinion. Way, though. <laughs> it's not sexy. It's not a sex book, okay? But
0: I, this, it killed me. It killed me when they had sex and their conversation and, and I did feel like they were communicating and just uh, everything that happened. It's just an amazing, an amazing scene.
1: Yeah. So there's pretty much only two explicit scenes. Yeah. And one is essentially the epilogue.
0: Right. Which meets your criterion of, I want the post-conflict sex.
1: No, that was great. Um, So, but there's only two explicit scenes But what I typically talk about in, like, really sexy books is how, like, charged is every page other than that. They're too busy, like, having a real emotional connection and getting to know each other. Yeah. To just be thinking about getting it on all the time. Like, they think about it, but it's not constant. Because, you know, there are feelings and murder involved. Yeah.
0: I, yeah. I just, okay, so I'm going to talk about a little bit of a spoiler. Again, I don't think it's spoiling all that much, but if you want to experience this book, if you haven't read it and you really want to experience it, probably want to jump forward another minute or two. Uh, But basically, he goes to get her at this nunnery to escort her home, and he's been sent by her father, and he thinks that this is a test to make sure that he can get her home safe and sound and that he's not going to have sex with her on the way home, basically, right?
1: Or, and like, he up a, with
0: her, or, like, whatever. Yeah. He 100% fails this test. And I loved it. Oh, my god, It was amazing. It was amazing. extremely good. It was so great. It was so fucking good. Anyway. I highly recommend this series.
1: Yeah, 5 out of 10. Five, I mean, 5 out of 5. 10 out of 10. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> five out of ten wait a minute no five out of five ten out of ten whatever like their relationship is flawless and their characters are so believable but sad. i just i have nothing but excellent things to say about the narrative construction of this relationship
0: mm-hmm. i totally agree i think that's it for this book right yeah thank you guys so much for listening We'd love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet. Uh, Instagram at Plottrists, Goodreads slash trists, and our WordPress site, Plottrist.wordpress.com.